Hello and welcome to Unproduced and Unadapted. Have you ever watched a movie and thought, I wish that character got more screen time? Or maybe that character's backstory is way more interesting than our heroes? Or even, my god, they didn't include my favourite character from the book. Well, you've come to the right place. We're here to talk about the sequels, prequels, spin-offs and adaptations they should have made. We're talking sidekicks tragically overlooked, villains done wrong, background characters that stole the show and characters missing from adaptations. We also discuss all those books that haven't been adapted and all those movies that set up the sequel and then we never got it. We talk potential storylines, dreamcasting and pitch our own missing movie, TV show or comic book. This goes without saying, given we're talking about movies, but just in case, spoilers from the outset, for this and every episode. On this episode, we will be talking about Stargate, the mid-90s sci-fi adventure all about ancient Egyptians. Or are they aliens? Either way, we will be discussing the movie that launched half a dozen TV shows and made-for-TV movies, and pitching our own reboot of this franchise that is poised to make a comeback given it's recently been bought by Amazon. So sit back and enjoy my ramblings about Stargate. At Cinema Recall, we want to present to you the finest in film analysis. Yeah, like action and gore and sex. We will look at classics by Kubrick, Lynch, Godard, De Palma, and Coppola. I don't know who the f*** that is, but I'm looking at classic bodies of Christina Hendricks, Keanu Reeves, Salma Hayek, Ryan Reynolds. We are a serious show for film lovers who enjoy indie foreign films, art house gems, and classic black and white features. Well, I enjoy big budget blockbusters with great action and sexy people. Maybe our podcast can celebrate all aspects of films, like people who feel like your weird way and like people who feel like my weird way can like get together, man. They can? Yeah. Huh. You know, I like that. Cinema Recall is available everywhere you find great podcasts. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram under Cinema Recall Podcast and on Twitter at Cinema underscore Recall. Okay, let's do a quick rundown of the basics for Stargate. It was released in 1994 and was written by the longtime collaborators on all things crazy and explodey, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich, and was directed by Emmerich. It stars Kurt Russell as Air Force Colonel Jonathan Jack O'Neill and the excellent James Spader as Dr. Daniel Jackson, an archaeologist and linguist. There's Jamon Honzu as Horace, I think this was his first major role actually. French Stewart plays Lieutenant Ferretti, you'll probably know him more from Third Rock from the Sun. The always wonderful Richard Kind plays Dr. Gary Myers, he's hardly in the movie, but I still love him. Eric Avari plays Kassoff, you'll probably recognise him, but you might not know his name. The guy has 150 plus acting credits, he's been in pretty much every TV show going. In comparison, we have Jay Davidson as Ra. Davidson only made two films. One was Stargate and the other was The Crying Game and he got an Oscar nom for Best Supporting Actor for that one so that's a very brief but excellent movie career. The budget for Stargate was $55 million or about $100 million when adjusted for inflation so it was a big movie. It ended up making $197 million worldwide or about $400 million again adjusted for inflation which is not bad at all really though I'm guessing they were hoping for more since, you know, we never got a sequel. If this was made now, I'm sure the studio would want this to be a billion dollar movie. When it came out, it actually came out in a fairly quiet week. October 1994 had some excellent releases though. Pulp Fiction, The Excellent Heavenly Creatures, The Specialist with Sylvester Stallone, and Clerks, one of my favourite movies. Oh, and a little movie called The Shawshank Redemption which actually bombed at the box office. Though it went on to become one of the top rented films of the year, it's actually quite an interesting story. But it's not Stargate related, so I'm going to stop myself. Just just Google it. A quick aside, 
I'm going to be throwing a lot of names at you on every episode of Unproduced and Unadapted. If you check the episode notes for this and every episode, there will always be a link to a full episode transcript, and there you'll find the links to IMDb profiles and the like for every actor, director, and every film and TV show I mention, so you can check them all out and see what you think of my suggestions. So what's Stargate all about? The official plot goes like this. An interstellar teleportation device found in Egypt leads to a planet with humans resembling ancient Egyptians who worship their god Ra. That's quite a plot. There's a lot there to unpack, and it also misses out quite a lot. Apparently it wasn't entirely clear during early test screenings that the Stargate transported people to another planet and audiences thought it took them back to ancient Egypt. They were then very confused as the film progressed. I can see that. From the trailers, it's not entirely obvious that they're travelling through space and not time, and that we're actually going to be dealing with, spoilers here for this nearly 30-year-old film, an alien race that enslaves worlds and gets around in flying pyramids. If the alien storyline was more obvious from the outset, I don't think this movie would have been as big as it was. If the plot summary was, an interstellar teleportation device found in Egypt, leads to a planet ruled by an alien pretending to be the ancient Egyptian sun god Ra, who enslaves people to work in his mines, I just don't think this movie would have been given the light of day by the studio. They definitely wouldn't have cut a check for $55 million. For me, Stargate is one of the quintessential 90s action movies that pairs a square-jawed hero with an awkward scientist. I'm thinking The Rock, Independence Day, another Roland Emmerich movie, The Saint, The Peacemaker, Volcano, and on and on and on. It's a classic kind of odd couple strategy, and it works really well to this day. In Stargate, our duo is Colonel Jack O'Neill, played by Kurt Russell, a burned-out special ops soldier who is recalled to active duty, and Dr. Daniel Jackson, James Spader, a down-on-his-luck Egyptologist who is a laughingstock within his field. The two of them are great together. The animosity between them, mostly from Colonel O'Neill and his general disdain for how Dr. Jackson works, is fun to watch. And Jackson is suitably bumbling at times, you know, as all scientists are, apparently. Our introductions to both characters are really good. We first meet a long-haired Colonel O'Neill who is grieving the death of his son. He's recalled by the Air Force because they seem to know he'll happily sacrifice himself if the mission needs it. That's a little bit dark. The next time we see O'Neill, he's sporting a crew cup and is in full armed services mode. And we first meet Dr. Jackson giving a speech to a room of stuffy academics about how he believes the pyramids are much older than people think. They all heckle him and walk out and he's left out in the rain, literally. He's then approached by a mysterious character who says he's needed for some translation work. I think these introduction scenes are handled really well. In a matter of minutes, we've met our key players and we know a fair bit about them and their characters, and we can start to piece together the plot. We have a wildcard Air Force colonel, an Egyptologist, a secret government Air Force project. You know, that classic combo. I joke, but like the odd couple trope, this is a classic, basic plot outline. Armed services person, plus scientist or specialist in their field, plus secret project. It works for so many different scenarios. I really like the movie setup. I really like this movie as a whole, actually. I think the plot is bonkers, but no more bonkers than what we regularly see in Marvel movies now. James Spader has said openly a number of times that he thought the original screenplay was awful. Kurt Russell has said the same thing. And it's bonkers, but I don't know about awful. Spader has said that he only did this movie for the money, but also because after meeting with Roland Emmerich, he was bowled over by their guy's enthusiasm and excitement for this project. I've read that a few places. The guy seems to genuinely love his job of making utterly bonkers movies. Emmerich has had an interesting career. You're never quite sure what you're going to get. Well, you know you're going to get spectacle and scale and lead characters with daddy issues. Seriously, it's like every one of his films. Things really kick off for him in 92 with Universal Soldier. 
Then we have Stargate in 94. Clearly he's a Kurt Russell fan. Late 80s, early 90s is prime Kurt Russell time. We'll have a few episodes featuring Kurt Russell, I'm sure. I'm thinking Big Trouble in Little China, Tango and Cash, and Escape from New York and LA. Anyway, back to Emery. After Stargate, he does Independence Day in 96, which is just an excellent back-to-back. That's brilliant. He has a dip with Godzilla in 1998, though I can honestly see some promise in Godzilla. I honestly think the design of Godzilla was the main problem with that movie. Anyway, after that he directed The Patriot with Mel Gibson and Heath Ledger in 2000, which I remember enjoying at the time, and then The Day After Tomorrow in 2004, which I'm quite a fan of. I think it's the geography in me. I'm a sucker for a geography-related disaster movie. I'm talking Dante's Peak, Volcano. Even The Core and San Andreas. I love them all. Sadly, after The Day After Tomorrow, Emmerich has a bit of a mare, and he made 10,000 BC and 2012, in 2008 and 2009 respectively. These are, quite simply, two of the worst movies I've ever seen. 2012 has some redeemable features. Its scope and the destruction effects are great, and the cast is pretty damn good. But 10,000 BC is just awful. Emmerich seems to take a turn then, and in 2011 he made Anonymous, about Shakespeare, and I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Maybe Emmerich should focus on period pieces. Anonymous and The Patriot are two of his best rated movies, but then Midway from 2019 is just okay, so I'm not sure. He also directed White House Down, which I quite enjoyed. And finally, his latest is Moonfall, which is without doubt his worst movie. It's awful. It's it's simply awful. I've used the word awful quite a lot there while discussing Emmerich's movies, and I do feel quite bad about that, especially since I do like quite a few of them, and even weirdly enjoy his bad movies. And I really do appreciate his effort and his desire to make these big spectacle blockbusters. And he and or Dean Devlin, since they both get writing credits on most of Emmerich's movies, do try to include interesting elements or plot lines. In Independence Day, there's the issue of social stigma surrounding Vivica A. Fox's job as a stripper, Godzilla in the Day After Tomorrow are thinly veiled commentaries on environmental harm, and in Stargate, one plot point that doesn't get much room to breathe and is handled quite poorly is the fact that Kurt Russell's character is seriously depressed and suicidal after the death of his son. After the initial intro to the character, it's briefly touched upon when one of the kids reaches for his gun, and there's the obvious, I'm here to blow the place up storyline. But that's kind of it. That's a shame. We know Russell could pull that off if they let him. I think this, and most of the somewhat inept scripts for Emmerich movies, are from, are the fault of, Dean Devlin. Apparently Devlin agreed to do the film because he had always wanted to do Lawrence of Arabia in space which is a bonkers idea, but honestly, Stargate is pretty damn close to that description. Kind of. It's obviously not a patch on Lawrence of Arabia, but the basics are there. Sand, outsiders rallying crowds to fight for the oppressors, etc, etc. The problem is the writing. Devlin has some big ideas, but I just don't think he can write logical, sensible screenplays without getting overly excited and cramming in every idea that comes to him and that often leaves big plot holes. I don't want to be too harsh. I've not written a dozen giant Hollywood movies. He's clearly doing something right, or knows the right people at least. And I genuinely do enjoy a lot of his movies. I just think he needs a good editor. And maybe Emmerich just needs to move away from Devlin. The movies Emmerich has directed that weren't written by Devlin are some of his best movies. Anyway, back to Stargate. I remember being impressed by the special effects and the visual effects in this at the time, and for the most part, they still kind of stand up today. There's some great special effects model work in Stargate. The city in the desert is actually a miniature. It was about four feet tall and placed on a dune and shot in a way to make it look full-sized, and it really fooled me. It reminds me of the bigotures that they made for Lord of the Rings movies. Another element I really like is the pharaoh's mask in the opening credits. I really like that whole sequence. 
looking it up. The mask was made out of fiberglass and a motion control camera was used to give a better depth of field. I think the final effect is great. And there's some really impressive early visual effects. They did some fairly simple, well, simple now, not simple then, obviously, work like removing footprints in the sand. The Stargate wormhole was apparently the biggest challenge in the movie, and they actually made some very early fully digital storyboards, so Emmerich could test out different shooting angles, so they could get the effect just right. And of course, there's the creature effects, for those horse-like creatures, known as mastages, I think is how you pronounce it. These were made using a combination of animatronics, a real horse with a costume draped over it, and also a bunch of dogs for long-distance shots. Patrick Totopoulos worked on these, and he's done some excellent creature and production design on the likes of Spawn, Independence Day, some of the Underworld movies, and Justice League. The voice effects on Ra, Horus, and Anubis are great, and the effect on Ra's eyes is interesting too, and I think if done now, could be really effective. And the score for Stargate is great. I remembered it being good, but then when I rewatched it for this episode, I got quite swept up in some of the music. The score over the opening credits is great and really does set you up for this big adventure movie. The composer was David Arnold, and this looks to be his first major gig. He would go on to do several of the Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig Bond movies, Hot Fuzz, Chronicles of Narnia, and shows like Sherlock and Good Omens. Apparently, Arnold was working in a video rental store when he got this job, which I think is similar to Tarantino's early days of working in a rental store and writing when he could. So there you go, kids. Go work in a blockbuster, if they still exist. Also, one last nugget of Stargate background before we move on. While filming, they had a University of California Egyptologist and Anthropology professor called Stuart Tyson Smith on set at times, just to make sure the hieroglyphics and spoken language were as accurate as possible. I love that. They didn't have to put in any effort there. No one would know, other than the professor, probably. But I just like when movie makers go that extra mile just to get the details right. Okay, on to our potential sequel, prequel or spin-off ideas. What would we like to see? Who would we recast? Who do we want to direct and write? And are we talking about a movie, a TV show, a comic, maybe some anime? So we've had a lot of Stargate sequels, prequels and spin-offs on TV and in games and in books. I seem to remember really enjoying Stargate SG-1 when I watched it when it first aired, though I dropped off midway through the series, but not because of any fault of the show. I never watched Stargate Atlantis, but seems people really love that, and it has a young Jason Momoa in it before he became Carl Drogo or Aquaman. And there was SGU, Stargate Universe, with the great Robert Carlyle, and the excellent Ming-Na Wen in it. Stargate Origins was a short 10-episode web series. Stargate Infinity was a one-season animated show. We had three direct-to-DVD movies, The Ark of Truth, Continuum, and Children of the Gods, and we've had dozens of books and comics that linked to the movies and TV shows in some way. Critics don't seem to care for this world, but others really do. All the shows and books and straight-to-DVD movies have pretty good reviews and scores, and were being released up to at least 2018. Since the movie came out, the Stargate world has been going pretty much non-stop. We've had literally hundreds of hours of Stargate on TV. This world is popular. It just hasn't had a big budget movie since the original. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a direct sequel with Kurt Russell and James Spader. According to Devlin, he and Emmerich had always planned to do three films with the potential for more. But I'm sure every writer and director says that. Devlin has been talking about sequels since at least 2006, but probably earlier. In 2011, he told Collider, We wanted to explore this idea of how the Stargates were built originally, and where else in the universe they exist, and why they exist, and where else they exist on Earth. We had really planned it out, as a trilogy of films, to allow this mythology to grow bigger and bigger. Then in 2013, Emmerich talked about plans for a new reboot trilogy, 
and a year later MGM and Warner Brothers actually announced it. But in 2016, Devlin finally admitted that plans to reboot the franchise and a potential new series had stalled, and that he was actually stepping away from big franchises, probably after the box office struggles of Independence Day resurgence and then Geostorm bombing and another director actually being brought in to do reshoots on his movie. But now, MGM, which owns the rights to Stargate, as well as James Bond, Rocky, Robocop, The Addams Family, Tomb Raider, and G.I. Joe, is now owned by Amazon. So I honestly think we'll get a reboot of Stargate very soon, as well as most of those other films, to be honest. Will we get a continuation of the world or a reboot? I think it will be a full reboot. For me, I think that will help to bring in a whole new audience. And to start with, I think it needs to be a movie, not another TV show. Amazon needs to get a writer's room in place straight away. They can't leave this to Devlin to write the script on his own and just throw money at it. It will end up being too much like Gods of Egypt. The 2016 movie with Nicolaj Costa-Waldo and Gerard Butler, which is a mix of Ben-Hur and Power Rangers. It's confused and gets bogged down by weird plot elements and features lots of shiny mechanical god robots. It's a baffling movie. Honestly, it's worth a watch just as a learning exercise, just to sit and try to work out why they made the decisions they did. But the point is that I reckon Devlin would end up creating something very similar to that, and that is not what we want from Stargate. Actually, I kind of want Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich to just stay away, kind of far away. They can be executive producers, but that's it. Give them a credit, but don't rely on their ideas. Please, please, Amazon, get a solid writing team together and use what has come before in the wider Stargate universe, and then cherry-pick the best bits that worked. Ditch those that didn't, and start afresh. Like I said, there's like 24 years of Stargate storylines to use, and some of them are great, so use them. Devlin has hinted at his ideas for direct sequels in the past. On the Dial the Gate podcast, a podcast entirely devoted to the Stargate world, that's how big this Stargate world is. Dean Devlin gave more details on what those sequels would have entailed. He said, The original plan of the movie was to do three movies, and so there was going to be three major addresses. One was Egyptian, and our second was going to be a Mayan culture, and then the third was going to tie in almost every mystery that we've ever had on Earth. Whether it was Bigfoot or the Yeti, we were going to tie everything together into a larger mythology. But we never got there. We never got to explore it. That last bit, the bit about Bigfoot and Yeti, is kinda odd. I'm not sure what he's getting at there, or what they were planning, but I really, really like that Mayan idea though. I think that would be great. We've not seen Mayan culture depicted in movies a lot. It's just often referenced because of some apocalypse prophecy. I'm looking at you there, 2012. But it would be great to see more. The only obvious movies I can think of is Apocalypto, the 2016 movie directed by Mel Gibson, when he was high on all of that Passion of the Christ money. I haven't watched Apocalypto since it came out, but I do remember it being quite impressive, quite intense, and very violent. I may have to revisit that one. A quick Google and the only other Mayan-related movies I can find that I've actually seen are Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is actually based in Peru, which is definitely not part of the ancient Mayan civilization. I wish that was the worst part of that movie. The less we talk about that movie, the better. So moving swiftly on, we then have 47 Meters Down, Uncaged, the 2019 sequel to 47 Meters Down, which features two sisters exploring a submerged Mayan city and then getting attacked by a great white shark. Obviously. Both of those are bad movies. They're a bit fun, I suppose. Everyone likes a good shark attack movie. But they're not very good. Anyway, so I want to see more of the Mayan civilization in cinema. It's a really interesting setting and aesthetic that I just don't think many people know about. In other interviews, Devlin has mentioned how their plans for sequels rely on new Stargates being discovered and the overall theme being maybe Viking related rather than Egyptian. 
I get why they'd want to do that. Ancient Egyptian, Mayans and Vikings are very different visually and would help separate the movies. I'm not against this idea at all. In fact, I think it would be great fun. But I do think they should stick with the Egyptian theme for the reboot, for the first part. It's what people know, and visually it's interesting and inherently recognisable. Amazon has all the money in the world, so I want them to go big here with Stargate. Commit to a trilogy off the bat. I really like their idea for the second movie. I like the idea that the first film is Egyptian themed, like the original movie, but then the sequel is different. Different setting, different aesthetic, different culture. Perhaps in their attempt to escape and get back, Dr. Jackson gets the chevrons mixed up. Or maybe there's an explosion right as they're heading through the Stargate that changes something. And instead of going back home, they go to another galaxy or universe. And this one is basically Mayan. Then the third film maybe takes us to a Viking-themed world. That way we've gone from deserts to jungles to ice and sea. This is three visually distinct settings and it voids any concerns over sameness for the three movies. You can also sub out Vikings here and maybe go with Atlantis. You'd keep the distinct ocean theme for the movie to make it suitably different from our Egyptian-themed and Mayan-themed movies. And there's an obvious tie-in with the Stargate Atlantis TV show, which we'll talk about in a bit. I can see that working. The myth of Atlantis is well known, and there's a lot to play with there from the visual and story point of view. So both James Spader and Kurt Russell are probably too old to reprise their roles now. Devlin stated years ago that he hoped to enlist both for the sequels and both apparently expressed an interest in returning, but I'm dubious. And it's very unlikely now, unless we just get cameos in some way perhaps. Maybe people refer to them or who knows, maybe Spader pops up at the end and steps through the Stargate in an end credit scene to get all of the fans really excited. But that means we can't recast, which is kind of what I have in mind. So maybe Spader comes back in a bit part, maybe as an Egyptologist and a consultant, like Vivica Linfor's character Catherine Langford, who recruits Dr. Jackson to the Stargate program in the original movie. Maybe we just kind of flip those roles a bit. And I love Kurt Russell and James Spader, and I'm sure there could be a fun way to fold them back into this world. But honestly, I don't think I'd bother at this point. Keep the characters, the characters are great, but recast and rebuild our Stargate world. So if we're recasting Dr. Jackson and replacing James Spader, who do we cast? Those are some big shoes to fill. Ultron, Raymond Red Reddington, Alan Shaw in Boston Legal. That's a big deal. So Michael Shanks replaced Spader in the Stargate SG-1 TV show. And at the time, and for TV, that was some great casting. He was really good in that role. One of the defining features of James Spader, though, is his voice. Trying to find someone who can replace him and has a voice that good is impossible. I've tried. Every actor you think of that has a distinctive voice is as old or older than Spader. And that's not what we need if we're recasting. I'm thinking Jeremy Irons, Sam Elliott, Dennis Haysbert, Jeffrey Wright. We need someone younger if they're going to be the star of our new Stargate reboot. So I need to stop fixating on James Spader's voice, which is hard because it's great. So who do we cast? Straight off the bat, Ian de Kerstecker. I think I'm pronouncing that right, Fitz from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He plays the scientist well. That could be good fun. He's not really what I have in mind, though. Boyd Holbrook from Logan, Narcos, and the upcoming Sandman TV show could work. He's not as neat as you'd probably expect from a scientist, though. He's certainly not as clean-cut as how Fitz looks. Though he is supposed to be an Egyptologist, not a lab scientist. He always looks a bit gruff, so maybe that would work. Though I think I'm just picturing Indiana Jones when I think Egyptologist, which is cool and all, but it's not really Dr. Daniel Jackson. Well, maybe Indy when he's teaching in The Last Crusade, and he has the tweed and the bow tie on. I think Boyd Holbrook could pull that off quite easily, to be honest. Another option is Jack Quaid from The Boys, Scream and Logan Lucky. He could be good. 
he could definitely pull off the quiet academic type we need for Dr. Jackson. And we know from his character in The Boys that he can do the core in the middle reluctant action bits quite well too. I think he'd actually be really good in this role. Okay, let's stick with Jack Quaid for the moment. Okay, so we've got Jack Quaid as a potential for Dr. Daniel Jackson. Now we need to replace Kurt Russell. And that is tricky. Again, like Michael Shanks, the recasting of Colonel O'Neill for Stargate SG-1 was great. And Richard Dean Anderson, MacGyver himself, was great in that role. But who could we cast now? So Wyatt Russell would be a fun bit of casting. Have the son play a role his father played. That's just fun. A quick Google and I couldn't actually find any examples of that. I just kept finding examples where father and son had played father and son in the same movie. Anyway, Wyatt Russell could definitely do this. He's great in the action roles in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Overlord, as well as more serious roles in Under the Banner of Heaven. His role as John Walker, or the new Captain America, in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is pretty spot on for what we need. Military guy, a little broken, willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Though things take a bit of a decapitate turn for old John as Captain America there, but we'll brush over that for now. Joel Kinnaman could work. We know he can do a burnt-out military guy quite well based on For All Mankind and The Suicide Squad, which I absolutely love both of. If you've not watched any of For All Mankind, I fully recommend you give it a go. It is a great show. Or you could go with Sam Claffin, or maybe Taylor Kitsch. Alan Richson, he's Reacher in, well, Reacher. Amazon have signed a big deal with him after the success of Reacher, which I really enjoyed. So maybe they're eyeing him for one of their newly acquired MGM properties. I think he could play this role quite well. He obviously looks the type for a big military guy. Actually, I've just realised I think I'm being an idiot. I'm trying to find someone who could be Kurt Russell, not Colonel O'Neill. I need someone to be the character, not the actor. There are a lot of big male, blonde-haired action stars out there. We can do something different here, though. So my first thought, and honestly, I think he would be excellent, is O'Shea Jackson Jr. He's great in Straight Outta Compton and Den of Thieves, which is a great little action movie, and Godzilla, King of the Monsters, though he's not in that that much. He's also in the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. I'd love to see him in more things. Having him as the action star across our new Stargate trilogy, I think would be great fun. We could also go with a female lead. There have been some excellent female-led action movies of late. I'm thinking Atomic Blonde, Kate, Gunpowder Milkshake, Jolt, The Old Guard, Wonder Woman, Tomb Raider, the remake with Alicia Vikander, though obviously the original with Angelina Jolie. There's Charlie's Angels, again the remake, though also the Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu version, and Columbiana with Zoe Saldana, which we may have to do an episode on because I want more of that world. For me, though, Emily Blunt would be an excellent choice. This is mostly based off her role as Rita in Edge of Tomorrow, or Live, Die, Repeat, as they rebranded it later, and which is a way better title. But anyway, in that, Blunt is amazing. She's a non-stop, no-nonsense action star. She kicks ass. I'd love to see her in that role again. Or something quite similar, say like a Stargate remake. This is kind of silly, but Kurt Russell's line, give my regards to King Tut, asshole, is just great. It's an excellent payoff after a very 80s fight scene. We need someone who could pull that line off, I think. So I think O'Shea Jackson could definitely do that. And Emily Blunt obviously could. I'm not sure Alan Richardson could, though. Though I could be wrong, he has got some comedy chops. I've only seen a few episodes of Blue Mountain State, a much-loved but short-lived American football show starring Richardson from a while ago, but his timing delivery in that and in Reacher are good. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he could do this and maybe that's where Amazon will go. So I appreciate that the character of Ra in Stargate is actually an alien, but I still think it would be nice to have an Egyptian actor in the role. 
and in other roles in this movie. So off the bat, with my, and I fully admit this, limited knowledge of Egyptian actors, my first thought is Rami Malek. He is a fantastic actor. He's great in everything I've seen him in. He's actually played a pharaoh in the past in Night in the Museum movies, so hopefully that didn't put him off this. But I think he may be too, well, serious for this role though. He can do comedy and light-hearted, and he's got the skills to do pretty much any role, so I'm sure he could pull it off, and he'd be amazing, but I'm picturing someone else. I'm thinking Mina Masood. He was Aladdin in the 2019 Guy Ritchie live-action remake. He would be great. The guy is shockingly handsome, and has the cheekbones and the eyes that I think would be great for our Egyptian god. And he's already in an Amazon TV show. He's been in Jack Ryan. So he's already has links to Amazon, which sounds trivial, but apparently it means a lot in Hollywood. So those are the three main characters. But as a little bonus, I'd really like Jamon Honzu to reprise his role. It can be a whole different universe, but Marvel have kind of made it okay to just hire the same people. Think J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson in Tom Holland's Spider-Man movies and the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, or Gemma Chan in Captain Marvel in Eternals. So I really want Jamon Honzu back as Horace. Oh, and I also kind of want Helen Mirren as Catherine Langford. Helen Mirren just classes everything up, so it would be nice to get her. Unless, obviously, we went with our earlier plan of getting James Spader back to be the Catherine Langford character. Either way, it would be good. And finally, I'm thinking of Golshifta Fahani from Invasion on Apple TV and Body of Lies as Shauri. It's not a huge part, but she's a great actress, so I think it would be really good to flesh this character out a bit. The original film is very male-centric, so it would be nice to have her role expanded a little bit. So we have quite a few options there for actors, and now we need to talk about writers. And we need to remember one thing. We need to limit Dean Devlin's input. I'm sorry, Dean. I'm really sorry. Anyway, Brad Wright was the creator and writer for most of the wider Stargate world, all of the TV shows and the like. It kind of makes sense to bring him back. We obviously want to move away from the Stargate universe that has gone before, but he's lived this world for ages. And we will be reusing a lot of it, I suspect, so it makes sense to get him back. Given the Egyptian setting and the vibe we have going on, one show that pops in my mind is the recent Marvel show Moon Knight. I thought the writing in that was quite good, and it has a lot of Egyptian vibes running through it, especially the music, and has a good mix of drama and action and big cosmic sci-fi fantasy elements. So that could work. Jeremy Slater was the show creator and one of the main writers for that show. He has previously worked on The Umbrella Academy which is an utterly bonkers and brilliant comic book adaptation on Netflix. And he wrote the script for Fantastic Four, or weirdly, Fant Four Stick, which is the strange branding they went with on the posters. That's the Josh Trank movie with Miles Teller, Kate Mara and Michael B. Jordan. We will definitely be talking about Fant Four Stick in a future episode, so I'm going to quickly move on and just say that I think Jeremy Slater could be a good choice for our writer. Another good choice is Mark Bombach. He wrote Total Recall, the remake with Colin Farrell, not the 1990 Paul Verhoeven Schwarzenegger classic. And he wrote Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes. And I'm a big fan of those ape movies. I love them. And he wrote Die Hard 4, which is fine. Unstoppable, which is a great Tony Scott Denzel movie. The Wolverine, the second best standalone Wolverine movie after Logan. And also Defending Jacob the very well-received Apple TV Plus show starring Captain America and Lady Mary from Downton Abbey. That's a pretty good mix of drama, thriller and action, so I think Bombac could be a very good choice for our new Stargate movie. And one final option is John Spates. He co-wrote the screenplay for Dune and co-wrote Doctor Strange, Passengers and Prometheus and wrote the story for The Mummy, the Tom Cruise movie that was set to launch a big Universal Monsters movie franchise. Again, expect an episode on that in the future. That's a pretty damn good sci-fi action list there from John Spades. June is incredible, and I love Doctor Strange, and I honestly enjoyed the others on that list, especially Prometheus and Passengers. 
So I think John Spates could knock a Stargate script out of the park and give us something really good. Team him up with Slater or Bombac or Brad Wright, and I think we've got a winning combo there. I think I've made it clear that I don't think Devlin and Emmerich should return to write or direct. We need to keep them at a distance. They can get created by credits or something, but we need a fresh start here. We need someone who can do sci-fi and adventure, because I do think Stargate should lean into the adventure element. I want them to embrace it. Stargate for me is basically the mummy, the Brendan Fraser one, not the Tom Cruise one, but with spaceships. It has action and adventure, funny quips and comedic moments, a rousing score, and tons and tons of sand dunes. I want that ancient Egyptian aesthetic to be there, mixed in with some top-notch sci-fi settings when we're on the ships, and then a mashup of the two with futuristic-looking guards and Ra and all of the weapons. Honestly, as I'm saying that, I realise how much I really like this world, and how great the first Stargate movie was. I'm really excited to see it again in a modern way. So who could we get to direct this? There are some big names that come to mind when you think sci-fi. We have James Cameron, Deli Villeneuve, Alfonso Cuarón, Ridley Scott, J.J. Abrams, Gareth Edwards. All of those would be great and undoubtedly would make a fantastic movie. I always felt like Stargate was right up James Cameron's street and that he'd do an excellent job. But, you know, that guy is obsessed with Avatar, so probably doesn't have the time to do anything else at the moment. Neil Blomkamp has made some great sci-fi movies, and the experimental work he's doing over at Oat Studios is amazing. But I think I want something more... wholesome. His movies are quite edgy, quite gritty and violent, and that's not the world I'm pitching here. James Gunn's work on Guardians of the Galaxy is wonderful, and I really like the colourful and varied universe they've built there. It reminds me of what Luc Besson did with Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. I love the world building and the style of that movie, and add in the wonderful fifth element, which again we'll have an episode on in the future, and Luc Besson could be a good option here. He's got style, and I reckon he put a great twist on the ancient Egyptian theme, and he can definitely do action. That could work. I have two other suggestions I think you'll like. First, Joseph Kaczynski. He directed Oblivion, a fairly under-the-radar Tom Cruise sci-fi movie that I really like. And he directed Tron Legacy, which I really enjoyed. It was a fun continuation of the Tron world, with excellent visuals, and the soundtrack by Daft Punk is insanely good. And he also directed Only the Brave, which is not a sci-fi movie, far, far from it. But it's a solid movie with a lot of heart and drama. And add to that the new Top Gun sequel, and I think this guy could really make an excellent Stargate movie. Finally, and I think this is quite possibly my favourite option, Duncan Jones. He directed Moon with the always brilliant Sam Rockwell, that Groundhog Day-esque source code with Jake Gyllenhaal, and Mute, a cyberpunk-like Netflix movie with Alexander Skarsgård. But, and I appreciate this is going to sound weird, but the movie that makes me think he could really pull this off is the World of Warcraft movie. The big budget production value, the VFX, the action, and the fantasy adventure elements of that movie mashed together with his sci-fi experience from the previous movies make me think he would absolutely make a great Stargate movie. Okay, so there we have it. I'm pitching a new Stargate movie reboot directed by Duncan Jones, written by, among others, John Spates and starring O'Shea Jackson Jr. or maybe Emily Blunt or Alan Richardson as Colonel O'Neill, as well as Boyd Holbrook or Jack Quaid as Dr. Jackson and Mina Masood as Ra. It would be a fairly faithful remake of the original but I think would lean more towards the action-adventure elements and, importantly, Emmerich and Devlin would have very limited input. Very, very limited. And it would clearly set up two sequels, one Mayan and one Viking, or maybe Atlantis related on that last one. Like I said, I'd absolutely love Amazon to go all in on this and commit to it and maybe film back-to-back so we get the three movies 
12, 18 months apart and make this a big franchise deal. Release them the same time every year. Make it a big cinematic thing to get people to watch. I think that would be great. Also, just to pile the pressure on poor Duncan Jones here and everyone else involved, I think the movie should also open up the world and give us a few characters and a few storylines that we can explore in a spin-off TV show, just like the original movie did. That just makes sense, and I can see Amazon wanting to be able to air a TV show on their Prime video service. There have been rumours for the past year or two about Amazon looking to reboot the TV series, probably Atlantis, and it does make sense. People love the TV shows, and it could be a nice soft way into a movie if Amazon are a little tentative about rebooting Stargate as a movie straight away. We usually get the movie first and then the spin-off show, but that requires a lot of money and effort, and you're hanging everything on just one movie. Having the TV show first allows you to build interest and build a fan base and test things out at a reduced cost. Admittedly, this is what Stargate writers have been doing for 20 plus years, but it's likely the makers will want to fully reboot this world to get new viewers, with them assuming that the diehard fans will come along anyway. We probably will. For the price of one major Hollywood action movie, we could get five plus seasons of a Stargate TV show that lasts a lot longer and brings in more viewers, more customers I suppose for Amazon, over a number of years, and then we maybe get a movie. Given what Amazon are doing in TV at the moment with the billion dollar Lord of the Rings show, The Wheel of Time, Reacher, Carnival Row, The Boys and Jack Ryan, they have the money and the skills to make a good Stargate show. Despite saying how a TV-based soft reboot of sorts of the Stargate world would make sense, I do still want the movie first. I want our movie first. And then maybe the movie hints at or opens up a Stargate Atlantis spin-off TV show, and we can reboot that perhaps. Maybe the end of the first movie sets up both the sequel movie and the spin-off TV show. I quite like our idea from earlier. Maybe right as our team is heading through the Stargate to get home, there's an explosion or something that alters the chevrons on the Stargate. And instead of going back home, half the team go to another galaxy universe that is based on the Mayan civilization and the other half end up in Atlantis-themed place. We then follow the Mayan team in the next movie, and the Atlantis team on TV. I really like that idea, personally. It's not terribly imaginative, but I think it could work. As I said earlier, get Brad Wright back to spearhead the TV writing, and maybe get the likes of Mira Menonin, who directed episodes of Ms. Marvel, For All Mankind, The Magicians, which I absolutely loved, The Man in the High Castle, Halt and Catch Fire, and so many other great shows. Or Kate Heron, who directed all of season one of Loki, which I really enjoyed. Or maybe Breck Eisner, he has directed a bunch of episodes of The Expanse, which has consistently been one of the best sci-fi shows on TV. And, as with a few of these things, he's owned by Amazon now. So that would definitely work. And why stop at just one TV show? Let's go all in, make our movie trilogy with a spin-off TV show. And let's make an animated show too, something where we can explore some really crazy ideas. We did get an animated Stargate show a while ago, Stargate Infinity, but it was not well received. There were complaints of poor animation, people hated the character designs, and it was ultimately cancelled before it could even get a single story arc out. So any new show wouldn't have to try hard to be better than that, But to actually stand out these days amongst all those great animated TV shows we like, it would have to be good. I'm thinking Harley Quinn, Arcane, Invincible, Rick and Morty, Archer. There are so many good animated shows these days. Amazon has made some good animated shows. Invincible and The Legend of Fox Machina are really highly regarded shows. So we could see a Stargate animated show too. I imagine Amazon would make it a more adult-leaning animated Stargate show, but I'm not picturing something as adult as Invincible, say, nor something entirely kid-focused like the original cartoon or Paw Patrol or something. So Skybound North make Invincible and Titmouse Inc. make The Legend of Vox Machina and the boys' animated spin-off Diabolical for Amazon, so they have links with animation studios and experience with spin-off animation. 
so I can see either of those studios making our Stargate show. I like their animation styles, and I can see it really working well. But I'd quite like something not so adult. I don't want insane violence in this Stargate world. Bob's Burgers, Avatar The Last Airbender, Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous have all shown that you can make a show that kids and adults can enjoy. There's no swearing or insane violence, so they're safe for everyone and really enjoyable. And in the case of Camp Cretaceous, they build out the world so we get to see things that they couldn't squeeze into the movies. I'd love to see an animated Stargate show that helps to flesh out our new rebooted Stargate world. Maybe we focus on side characters from the movie, or maybe it's a whole new set of characters. We could reboot Stargate Atlantis in an animated form, perhaps. That could be good. It being animated means you can go all out with the visuals and really embrace the setting, and it not cost you an arm and a leg. I worry if they try to reboot Stargate Atlantis now as a live-action show, it would just get compared to the current run of pretty damn good Star Trek shows, or The Expanse, or Foundation. And that is some pretty stiff competition. Okay, I think that's it. I think we're done. We have basically rebooted the entire Stargate universe there. We have a new movie franchise, a live action TV show, and an animated show. We really should be getting paid for this. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Unproduced and Unadapted and that it's got you thinking about all of those potential sequels, prequels, spin-offs, and adaptations. Our next episode will focus on Hackers, the much-overlooked mid-90s classic starring Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie. This tragically ignored movie gets a bad rap from some, but I think it's a great movie that is ripe for a prequel, maybe a reboot, maybe a TV show. Anyway, tune in next month for my ramblings about Hackers. And after that, I have quite a few episodes lined up. So hit subscribe and join me for future episodes on Harry Potter, Cabin in the Woods, Hunger Games, Jurassic Park, Tremors, The Fifth Element, Underworld, Speed, and The Little Mermaid. We'll have Halloween specials, Christmas specials, comic book specials, and many, many more. There'll be something in there for everyone. In fact, there'll be a teaser for upcoming episodes on Twitter soon so look out for that. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, send them my way on Twitter at, at unproducedunadapted or email me at unproducedunadapted at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.